Hey, Pie Tribe, buckle up for a new episode of the Passive Income Examiner, the number one podcast for budding entrepreneurs and business owners looking to diversify their income with passive strategies. Welcome to season two, focused on building successful online businesses with evergreen marketing solutions. I'm your host, Lindsay Sutherland. Thanks for joining me. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Passive Income Examiner. I have a special guest today for our Monday Mindset episode, which is what we, we normally have guest episodes Thursday, but today we're going to have one on a Monday, and I'm excited to welcome back E.A. Solkovitz, who has been on a previous episode. We'll definitely tag that in the comments below, because I know after you hear today's episode, you're going to want to go back and listen to that one as well. It was great. Um, E.A., thank you so much for joining me again. It's a true honor to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm blessed to be back with your show and uh, thank you for the reach out uh, to be a repeat guest and look forward to sharing great, new, exciting information on mindset with your listeners. Yes. Well, you know, you uh, you teach such an imperative concept of the giver's university and, and giver's mindset. And I wanted today to talk about first a little bit of how you know, having a taker's mindset could be detrimental, like what is the result of that? And then lead into how to cultivate a giver's mindset if that's not something that comes naturally to a person. So, you know, take it away. Tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of reintroduce yourself a little. For sure. Happy to do so. Uh, I'm born in Chicago, uh, you know, my son of a milkman, if you will, and uh, was a janitor at 16 years old and had my first real, uh, interesting experience as a janitor when I met uh, June Martino. I actually used to clean her home as a janitor every Wednesday. The janitorial service I was with was that she wanted that truck out in front of her house for eight hours every single Wednesday. Uh, and for those listeners who don't know who June Martino is, um, there's a movie that was out uh, fairly, you know, a couple of years ago, still on streaming. It's a great view. It's called The Founder. And Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc. Uh, I, I want to say based of all, in the beginning of the movie, it says based on a true story. That's true. It's based on a true story, but it's not the true story. I mean, that's all Hollywood spin all to the whole thing to make Ray Kroc. You know, he had to be the bad guy in a movie, if you will, for drama. But he really wasn't that way. In any event, he's talking with a lady outside his office all the time. And that lady is June Martino. That lady is the lady who ended up when I met her, had the third most controlling stock in McDonald's and uh, was quite an amazing lady. And she shared with me that when I asked, I had the opportunity one day, literally, where she told me the entire McDonald's story over an entire day. Uh, and uh, as the maiden butler would bring us food in the kitchen, she was sitting there telling me this whole story. And uh, she told me about how she believed in Ray and how that had such a huge impact. And and that had an impact on me because I thought, man, if I could find a Ray Kroc, because I knew my mindset was a mindset of a son of a milkman burnt out janitor. I knew that. That's where I was. That's where I, that was the life I was living. And I knew I didn't know what I needed to know. The only thing I was sure, Lindsay, was that I didn't know it, whatever it was, you know, because here I am, you know, son of a milkman. I got up at five in the morning, helped my dad on his milk route, you know, back then delivering milk. Funny how things come full circle, by the way. You know, I mean, so here it was, you know, everyone had a little box outside their house and food was delivered to their house and milk was. And uh, what do we see today? Same thing. Yeah, right? really. <laughs> Things do come back, you know, they do come uh, full circle. And uh, as a janitor, I mean, you know, what kind of skills necessary in that? My my fun time was getting free songs on a jukebox at two in the morning when I cleaned the bowling alley. That was my big, my big, you know, exciting moment. So I knew my mindset wasn't right. And I became an advocate because of a man I met who became my mentor. 
So the first thing I can share with all your listeners that's so critical, if you're not getting what you want and you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you got. Just that simple. And that means if you want something different, you either need to think different thoughts, the mindset, or you have to do different things. Or usually it's the comb- it's C, the combination of both of those, which is having the proper mindset. So, you know, I mean, we're not born with the proper mindset. You know, uh, I'm a pilot and I've never met a born pilot. You know, I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of training involved. So first thing is with the proper mindset is to have a mentor. And when you have a mentor and you get a mentor, as I was blessed to have one at an early age, because I said, you know, I, I need to find me a Ray Kroc like June Martino did. And it certainly didn't work out too bad for her. I'm cleaning this million dollar house. It was a million dollar mansion when I was 16. You know, that was 50 years ago already. I hate to say, but how fast that goes by, you know, but I mean, so who knows what it's worth now? But he had a profound impact on the way she thought and the things she did. She told me that that was the case. I needed my right croc. I found him. And God bless, I was I was able to, must have done something in my right in my life somewhere. And I found this man at, at a very early age. And he began to take those burnt out wires and began to rewire my mind. He began to rewire the lens in which I look through things, events in my life. And he began to help me analyze the importance of that 1,250,000 things I do every single year. And those 1,250,000 is the number of how many conversations we have with ourselves in our own little head every single year, about 35 a minute. That means literally we're having conversations with ourselves that no one hears, but they're in our mind. Those influence our mindset in profound ways because of how we think about things and look through them. My mentor began to rewire those. And it began to define for me something between a giver and a taker. And, and, And first of all, I want to mention to your listeners, we love everybody. I say that again, emphatically, we love everybody. But we teach people a skill that's so critical. And, and I appreciate you mentioning it earlier, how important it is, because we teach people this skill of, in one word, it would be discernment. A little longer explanation of that would mean we teach people how to separate the person we love from their deeds, which we may not love. And by, by observing through an observation skill that's taught, they begin to shift their mindset because now they're looking at it from a different a different lens. When they, you know, uh, I did an interview uh, a, a number of them back, and the guy said, "Well, I really love this give or take or stuff." And I read this book, and this book said, uh, "You know, I, I should uh, uh, have five good people around me." And I said, "You're right. You should." Question: Which five? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, he stared at me with this blank little orphan Annie look on his face. You know, and uh, and and I said, "You see my point? No one's teaching us which five. And that's a critical part of our mindset, not only in discerning, but also how we pick up those things that other people think and are in their life. I remember as a child, we used to have a thing we used to do. Whenever you said something the same time someone else did, we used to say, yo, me a Coke. You know, and it was just, it was just a a weird little phrase we said. I don't even know where it came from, but everyone did it. Yo, me a Coke, right? Yeah. But here's what's amazing. When you hang out with someone long enough, you start doing owe me a Coke a whole lot more 
Because the things they say and the things they do start to rub off on us. And what happens is that we've welcomed people in our, into our lives. And I say, again, we love everybody. When we say giver, we're not labeling a person. We don't label people. We're labeling the deeds of a person. When we give her deeds, when we say taker, we're not labeling a person. You know, you're a taker and you know, like invasion of the body snatchers. You know, we're not, <laughs> that's not what we're doing. We're, we're identifying taker deeds. So through the proper mindset, we can begin to observe what are they doing? What are the deeds they're doing and how will they impact me? If I bring this person in closer into my life and make them a part of my giver community, how will that influence me? And it, or because of what I see them doing, should I begin respectfully, not rude or nasty, begin to respectfully distance myself from them? Because if I bring them closer, they're going to make my mind collateral damage. And that, so I ask your listeners, Think about how many times you stomp out fires during the day. Think about when your stress level goes up during the day. Those two things have one thing in common. There's a name attached to them. And if we can learn how to discern those relationships in advance, how to look and observe the skill, it will have a profound impact from a business perspective, how we look at our mindset in business, from our social perspective, from our family perspective, all of those things are emanating from our mind and our thoughts because thoughts are things. They really do manifest themselves, especially when we're doing 1,250,000 of them every year. So we need to be selective and learn how to be selective with those. My mentor taught me how to do that, how to begin to cultivate. And he, he, he did something I call conditioned my mind. You know, how, you know how if your hair is getting real dry or my hair is getting real dry and you put something on, it's called conditioner. It helps the hair, right? It helps it, it loves to shine, right? And in our lives, so many people haven't conditioned their minds. And if their minds aren't conditioned, they don't get the shine. They're not going to shine. Mm -hmm. So we teach that and we teach people how to be selective and how do you form that right community of people around you? There's specific steps you can take specific things you can do to begin to give and begin to develop around you that giver community as opposed to the taker community. Can I identify the difference between those two for you? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, sure. <laughs> well, actually, right, one thing I was going to ask you that's on yeah, the note that you might please. is how could somebody identify within themselves? whether or not they are leaning more towards giver or taker? Great question. You know, uh, how are they, are, are they becoming more takerish? You know, how are they becoming more <laughs> giverish, right? Right. And, uh, and, and we actually, it's a great question. We actually have a checklist. Literally 25, we call them the 25 do's, basically 25 deeds. And what's interesting is these, this checklist is to be used when observing and discerning other people's deeds, not judging people, there's nothing on it that's judgmental. It's about observing their deeds and what they're doing. What's interesting about that, Lindsay, is there's an automatic self-assessment part built in. So when they're going through that checklist and they say, oh boy, I'm way off the rails on number 13. <laughs> you know, I, need to, I need to do Everybody some work on it. Everybody watch out for number 13. Watch out for 13, right? 
So and so what happens is that they go all the way through and and, uh, you know, when they can objectively look at it and I say objectively and that's important, you know, it's, you know, the old story about the the man that was teaching the Ben Franklin checklist. And on one side, you put all your strengths and the other put the weakness and all his and and on his left side was totally filled all the strengths. He had check marks. He only had one thing on the right side that he needed to work on. Honesty. Don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> so, so, so here, here we are with a checklist that actually helps us begin to self-assess because we all fall off the rails. All of us do. We're all a work in progress, but they have a way to get back on the rail. They have a way to self-assess and realign. You know, uh, uh, we send out a tweet and, you know, to Facebook and LinkedIn every Sunday and Sunday is about pausing and realigning because there's so many things that happen throughout the week and we get caught up and everyone does, you know, the world's getting faster and faster. So through self-assessment that's built in those 25 do's that really helps them begin to see, okay, am I, how am I doing this week? Am I being a little too takerish or am I really, you know, nailing, you know, the Robin hood splitting the arrow with an arrow on the giver side, you know? Uh, so that self-assessment's really, really a very critical part. Do you have podcasting questions? Are you looking for a community where you can learn and grow as a podcaster? Hi, I'm Greg, creator of Indie Drop-In Network. Join me and Jeff Townsend, aka the Indie Podcast Father, on Twitter Spaces every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern for Podcasting Power Hour. Every week we are joined by experts on different aspects of podcasting to help the community learn and grow as creators. We tackle questions from podcasters at every level. Just go to podcastingpowerhour.com for links to the space and to hear previous episodes. That's podcastingpowerhour.com. This episode is brought to you by Kajabi, the platform with a full suite of world-class online business tools working seamlessly together. I've been using Kajabi now for nearly a year, and I'm absolutely in love with this program. Prior to Kajabi, I was experimenting with other platforms, and so many of them were not user-friendly. They were difficult to get online pages to sync up with the cart or getting opt-ins and emails to be easily set up. I was beginning to dread the time it was going to take to set up a simple landing page. Honestly, I can say that since working with Kajabi, I have been extremely happy. I can't imagine leaving for any reason at this point, mainly because it saves me so much time and it doesn't give me a headache. Listen, I consider myself pretty tech savvy for the most part, but that doesn't mean that I want to be a tech genius every time I want to put together an offer. Kajabi makes it so simple to create online products and it gives me the tools I need so my marketing is synchronized. I really can't say enough great things about Kajabi. If you click the link in the description, you will get a free 30-day trial with Kajabi on behalf of the Passive Income Examiner. So be sure to check out the description. Now back to the show. So on that note though, like what are some symptoms uh, if people were to be looking at their life? And I recommend taking the quiz for sure because that'll help you. But I mean, what might motivate somebody to think, I should go take that quiz. Like what are some things or symptoms in their life that they might be experiencing that might be um, kind of triggers to say, okay, well, there's a possibility that you could be more of a giver. And on that note, this might, you might lead into it with your answer. In this day and age, one thing I've noticed 
is how there's this, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, sentiment that says we need to think more about ourselves. We need to say no more. We need to, you know, narrow our focus and pay attention to us. And all of that sounds very, uh, I guess, safe. And also, you know, with as much demand as there is in the world right now, especially for, you know, people who are working, who have a family, who have, you know, all these demands on their time, we're being advised to slow down and niche in on ourselves. Now, is there a point at which that becomes takerish? And maybe there's a, a balance there. Do you experience that with your, with your people within the Givers University? So I don't know if you can elaborate on all that. For sure. For sure. Um, what was the first question? No, I'm just kidding. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I know, I'm, just, right? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. I got it. I got it. <laughs> I just couldn't pass it up. You know, it's, I have so one question. I don't blame you know, you because honestly, yeah. sometimes I'm like, I go down a buddy trail. Yeah. <laughs> so as it relates to, you know, self-growth, I, you know, certainly everything in life should be in balance. You know, that's part of happiness, you know, and as my mentor taught me, happiness is not the absence of stress. You're going to have stress. Happiness is the proper management of stress. That's happiness. And, uh, and, and so self-growth is a part of management. It's a part of self-management, you know, having a specific plan. And, and again, surrounding ourselves with the right kind of people. You know, uh, uh, self-growth is critical, but also there's so many other opportunities to learn things at a compressed way where we don't have to learn through as much trial and error because Someone else has done it already and they can say, hey, don't do that. You know, when I was getting my flight training, you know, the, the instructor, I, I, I thought the instructor for the first six months of my flight training, I really thought his, he thought my name was, where the hell are you going? Because that's all he ever said to me, you know, <laughs> you know, so I had to learn, you know, and, uh, and, and then over time I learned how to do that, right? I learned how to do what he wanted to teach me. So having a mentor is critical with that self-growth and keeping that in balance. Um, and, and that certainly is an important part, but also, and I want to talk about if I can with that, because it's part of that answer, the difference between a coach and a mentor. There is a difference. A coach can teach us a skill and that's a good thing. You know, how do you do an Excel spreadsheet or how do you do post-its to LinkedIn? And, you know, I mean, I mean, uh, there's so many coaches teach us very valuable skills and I'm for coaching. That's good. But a mentor, it's a much different relationship. It's much more confidential. It's much more intimate. It's much more about why are you thinking the way you're thinking? And what can we do to adjust those and put those wires back together? I have met genuinely thousands of educated idiots in my life. And when I say educated idiots, that means they know all the book information. They know all the book knowledge. They can spew it back at you at light breakneck speed, but they've never done it themselves critical because when you've done it that means you have all the temporary defeats that went with that and those temporary defeats is where the wisdom comes it doesn't come from a book that's an education the wisdom of knowing what to do and when to do it comes from making the mistakes and having the scars on your shins and having someone. So to, to be able to find a mentor is critical. A mentor like Lindsay, as an example, because even that's what you do with your, your show. You're, you're a form of mentorship, teaching people uh, the thing. And, and, you're, and you care about your listeners. And that, that's a critical part of a mentor. They care about who they're teaching. They're just not a, 
you know, a, a number or something, or just, you know, another client, you know, that kind of thing. So it's a much more intimate relationship. And we teach people, how, how do you form that group? This is so critical in having balance in our life to have different perspectives. And we teach people, one of the things we teach people is how to form what we call a giver's junto. Now, uh, the, the word junto is supplantable with the word community. And, and I've seen the word community change definition over the last couple of years, you know, and a, a good example of that, by the way, of how words can do that would be the word D-I-E-T, diet, right? You know, years ago, when someone went to a meeting and there were a couple of people there, they actually went and attended a diet. That's what the meeting was called. Then later on, spelled the same way, if you got an allowance or a regular stipend, that was called a diet. Your allowance was called a diet. Now, as I was growing up as a child, the word diet meant the way you eat. It was your eating habits. This is how you eat all the time. It's your daily diet. Now you say diet, it means weight loss, right? All spelled the same way, totally different meanings. I submit to your listeners, the same thing has happened with the word community. See if this rings true. It's happened to me already. You get asked to join a community. Come join our community. Be a part of our community. We're all of the same mind. We're headed in the same direction together. And within six hours of joining, they're trying to sell you everything under the sun, right? That's not a community. That's a customer hit list. That's a prospect list, right? I call that bait and switch. Why are you baiting and switching me, right? I mean, call it what it is. Call it a customer list. If I'm interested in being on it, I'll stay on it and learn, right? But if not, don't call it a community when it's not. So we call those and identify those, Lindsay, as taker communities because they're designed to take from you, usually money or time or effort, right? By contrast, a giver community will have a profound impact on your mentor. It'll have a profound impact on your mindset. It'll have a profound impact on how do you keep things in balance and allows you to be able to learn with self-growth and not being so preoccupied with self-growth, but also learn from the experiences of others that are around you. So Napoleon Hill's got a great book, Think and Grow Rich. And when and in his book, he does a masterful job talking about something called the mastermind, mastermind group, right? And, and when he started taking, uh, talking about that in the 50s, it was very novel. It was very unusual, right? And so he explains what it is. He does not explain how to do it. He explains what it is, right? So we decided as Givers University to dive in to teach people, how do you form that community around you that helps you cultivate the right mindset? How do you form that right community of people around you that will help keep you in balance so that you can have a good balance between your learning and your self-growth, which is critical, we should do every day, but also helping other people to grow because that's where that giving component comes in. How can we help them grow at the same time? So we have, and I, I just want to touch on it real quick and then share with your listeners where they can go to get all this free. It's absolutely free. It's spectacular information. I'm going to go through the seven steps of forming a giver community around you. And I'm just going to go for sake of time, boom, 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 boom. And then I'm going to share with your listeners where they can go to, uh, to get that. Yes. A, a giver's junto is a community. Uh, the word junto actually is a Spanish word back from the 1600s, wasn't used too much. Then a gentleman by the name of Benjamin Franklin picked it up in the 1700s, and he started a group of 12 friends that got together every Friday evening for a couple of hours. And he, he called that originally his mutual improvement club. 
Then later on, to your point to self-improvement and self-growth, right? And then later on, he called it his Junto. And later on, he called it the Leather Apron Club. It was 12 members, got together every Friday, and they discussed everything. Politics, business, social life, each other, ways to grow, challenges in business, the challenges in their life. I mean, and these are 12 friends that got together on a consistent basis. And uh, what's interesting about Ben Franklin's Junto is that our very Declaration of Independence in the United States can arguably be traced back to those conversations that Ben Franklin had on Friday nights. So no one can tell me 12 people cannot be powerful when they're brought together in the right way. Um, we teach three different kinds of Juntos. A greater Junto, good example of a greater Junto could be any number of people worldwide, like Salvation Army would be one, a VFW, Lions Club. There's an insider Junto that we teach that's basically two to 12 members. How do you form? In other words, this is the how do you form that mastermind group on steroids, right? Uh, because I've seen, and maybe you've seen this too, Lindsay, you know, people get together, let's form a mastermind group. And then in two or three months, it just sort of dissipates. It just sort of goes by the wayside and dissipates and fall apart. And, and that's always been astonishing and a curiosity to me. Why they got together for a good reason. Why did it fall apart and disassemble? So we began to look at the reasons why and then put together this step, seven-step program. Uh, and the third kind of Junto is called the Millionaire Junto. We teach how to do that as well. All of those, what I'm about ready to go through in seven quick steps, if they go to our YouTube channel, it's Givers University. Go to YouTube, just type in Givers University, all one word, right? Uh, and from there, the top playlist is how to form your own giver community. It has over 21 two-minute clips, all in a row. The very first one is, What's the difference between a giver community and taker community and how can they impact our mindset, our life and all aspects of our lives in profound ways we're not even recognizing? Those people around us, right? And especially those on a regular basis. Have we chosen them or are we just sort of willy-nilly went about it and the importance of that? And we go through every single, in each one of these two-minute clips, Lindsay, it walks them all the way through forming their Junto, the seven steps I'm going to hit real quick here. All seven of those are in detail. And then once you have your Junto formed, what should you do? We even have four of the clips are on the agenda. What should you do now that you have your group formed? What do you do and why? Right? right. So we, I mean, we really even break down the, the, uh, uh, the agenda in that instance. So the seven steps in forming your own giver community, one of the most critical parts of the mindset, because when you're around, no matter what your mindset is, when you're around other people who have a different mindset on a consistent basis, their mindset will bleed into yours. Simple. It happens, right? So here's the seven steps. It spells the word discern, D-I-S-C-E-R-N. The first step is decide. You got to decide. Who do you want to have in your Junto? How do you decide? You know, like the one guy said in one interview in the past, which five? The next one is invite. How do you invite? How do you invite these two to 12 people that you want to meet with on a regular basis? The, uh, you're closer in group, if you will. Uh, S is uh, in discern is, dis, is seed. How do you seed them? It's critical. And we found this was important for the longevity of a Junto or a community is to have expectational agreements up front. These are the things we all hold ourselves accountable to on an individual basis in the group. If these things don't work for you, God bless you. It's not a good fit. No problem. We love you. 
right? So they everyone has expectational agreements. This is what's expected. And you agree on these up front, not later on, before they're allowed into the group. So S is for seed, expectational agreements. C, convene, get together on a regular basis, weekly, biweekly, monthly, quarterly. Convene on a regular basis. E, establish, give it a name. Ben Franklin called his Junto the Leather Apron Club. Henry Ford had a Junto, consisted of him, Harvey Firestone from Firestone Tires, Thomas Edison, and John Burroughs, who was a, a prolific writer, poet, and also federal bank examiner. So he must have been the money guy. But anyway, so the, <laughs> uh, the, the, the so and Henry Ford called his Junto because he recognized the importance of it. The four vagabonds. When you give your Junto a name, you're establishing it and making it a reality. Give it a name. E in discern, establish it, give it a name. There's a camaraderie that happens as a direct part of that, right? R is for rotate. Have a different chairperson at every meeting. Do not have the same person conducting the meeting. R, rotate different chair people each meeting. And N is for numbers. Seed other Juntos so that you can give to those. Because as you give to them, you will begin to receive back. Don't go, you know, we've all been to these, you know, uh, networking groups or, you know, where they're all just hand cards and everyone gives them the cards of their worst customers or clients, you know, and, and, uh, and, and they're, they're, you, as a rule of thumb, not that productive from what I've seen, you know, and, uh, um, but when you get a group that's committed to each other's success and you will hear about the world's greatest contest in one of those 21 clips I mentioned, the greatest contest that my mentor taught me, and we participated in it together. And it is actually quite an extraordinary story. So I recommend that. The quiz that you mentioned, we don't have anymore. So sorry to say that. So what we recommend is to get this information, go to our YouTube. We have so much that's free there. So many great interviews, so many playlists that are all investing in everyone that just simply gathers the information. We we know how important that mindset is, Lindsay, that you teach. Um, and that and, and people don't give enough ex- uh, understanding to how other people impact that mm-hmm. in ways we don't realize from the media to our friends and everything in between. Right. Yeah. Um, I think there's oh, this, I think I want to interrupt you right there. Yeah, please do. I please think do. There is this stigma that says, you know, I should be amazing. I should be a giver. I should be a high level thinker despite all the people around me. I think there's I, I would disagree. I would disagree. disagree. No, yeah, what I, I mean is I think people put pressure on themselves and I think we need to give oh, them yeah, permission that I agree. to, yeah, yeah. For sure. and, and we're giving them permission to recognize that, no, it's okay to admit that the people around you are not the people. You don't need to be the beacon of light among the crowd. It doesn't serve you. In fact, it's, it's just making it harder and it's okay to seek out a group that can lift you up and be the beacon with you. And I, because I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience, like I'm, I'm remembering working in the car business, which can be a very, you know, negative environment. And I used to think like, I am the, I, I would go in with this like shield mindset, like protecting my own thoughts. Right. But also thinking like I'm surrounded. I was aware I was surrounded by this group of negative minded people And I needed to be, I I was putting myself in this role to be this positive beacon. And I believed it was possible to achieve great things despite who was around me. Not saying that's true. That's what I was telling myself. 
And I was putting a lot of pressure on myself and it was very hard to achieve. It was very difficult. I mean, ultimately I broke free from that, thankfully, because now I have a lot more freedom to think my way (laughs) and I'm less influenced by those around me. But for anybody who is in a work environment that is not serving you, I implore you to, you know, reach out to Givers University and seek to find people who can help you elevate because we spend so much time with people that we work with and we don't mean to, like, we're not intentionally like, oh, these are the five people I want to hang around with, but yet we are hanging around them and they are having an influence on us. And as good as we want, as as strong as our intentions are, it just, it just isn't enough sometimes to really elevate our life. And therefore that's why I'm saying, you know, I'm just thinking about these people who are stuck where I was stuck. I know how that feels. And that's why I'm saying them so grateful. There's a community like yours for people to reach out to, to learn, to grow, to connect with others who can help them get through that and get out of that environment. My mentor shared with me, and it's a great point. And 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 by the way, I wasn't disagreeing with you for sure. Um, I, that I, I think it's important that um, you know we are selective, and it's a skill that's not just being taught. You know, uh, there is a stigma. You're right, and you know that it's up to us, and we got to learn. And no one's teaching. How about the other guy? What if he's doing it wrong? What should I do about that? <laughs> you yeah, know, really. I, because you know, I could sit there all day long and just kid myself. And my mentor said. Do you know how you walk through a minefield that's full of mental minds that blow up? And I said, no. How do you do it? He said, you don't. You go to another field. That's what you do. (laughs) He said, what are you doing in that field? Get out of there. So we teach people a skill. How do you supplant? Sometimes over time, when you find yourself in that environment, like you astutely articulated, Lindsay, what do you do when all of a sudden you have this epiphany and you go, Oh my God, look at my environment, what I'm in, you know, that, that, that thought right there hits, you know, and there's things they can do. There's skills that can be used to begin to slowly supplant that environment with the right kind of people using the checklist that we teach, using the skills that we teach so that ultimately we can surround ourselves. And then as we meet new people, to have this new lens that we're looking through, an observation skill of then from this, should I bring them closer or should I respectfully distance myself? Otherwise, I'm going to be doing the same thing with them too. They're going to be emotional landmines in my life, right? Or mental landmines or financial landmines, whatever those things are. So, it, 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 and in those instances, it's so much better to learn the skills of how to do it. And, and, and I, I'm so fortunate that my mentor shared these with me and I'm able to fulfill my vow to him, which is how Givers University came about uh, to be able to share it and teach it with other, teach it to other people. So uh, the easiest way to get this information, so much of it is free. We want to put it out there. We know the value of it. And that is, um, then just go to our website, giversuniversity.com, right? There's a place on each website, on each page to sign up for our newsletter. It's absolutely free. There's no cost. Now, as soon as they do that, because we're not spammers, they're going to get an email that says, do you want to talk to Givers University? If they don't answer that, they get nothing else from us. We don't spam, right? They have to say yes. And then when they say that, then immediately they're going to get the 25 dues checklist. They're going to be able to download it within two hours after they'll show up in their email. And then each week, because we don't, you know, I hate that you sign up for something and they're blowing up your email right away, right? 
And uh, so we send out one email one once a week on Thursday morning. It's a five minute read and it's called the giver's toolbox. Here's a brand new tool this week, something new to think of that's going to help you in your life so that you can be as giverish as possible. And then to be discerning with those people that are takerish that you're not going to be able to change. You know, it's like all this, all these people today are saying, you know, we got to teach these people. They can't say that. They can't say that. I said, you are just kidding yourself. It's much better to learn the skill to learn how to not let that influence you or how not to be around them. You know, mm-hmm. have the skill and learn. I, I'm sorry, you can't get in my head. I'm not going to let you get in my mind, you know, rather than telling her, you can't say that. But they're going to say it anyway. What? You're kidding yourself thinking they're not going to, right? <laughs> that's the way they, that's what takers do. Lindsay, they're doing their job. They're a taker. That's what they do, right? So, so, uh, so go to giversuniversity.com, sign up for the newsletter. It's absolutely free. Once a week, you get an email on Thursday. And uh, one of the best things you could do, one of the very best things, if you have someone that's right now you feel, a little takerish in your life, you should have them listen to Lindsay's podcasts. And here's why. Because third party is very powerful. It's a great way to say, you know what? I heard this really intriguing podcast and it was very interesting. Do me a favor, listen to it and tell me what you think. You never know. It may open their mind and say, you know what? I've been a little takerish. What do you do with a family member that you love, right? You don't want to hurt their feelings, but someone may need to have that conversation. Right. And, uh, and and if they're being a little takerish and Lindsay's podcast is a great way to be able to share something and then maybe have a great conversation in the soft, loving way that helps them begin to understand, you know what, maybe I should put on another lens because uh, the results I'm getting in my life are not the results I want. And that can be traced back to their mindset. What you teach. Mm-hmm. Very good. Wonderful. So that's giversuniversity.com, right? Yes. Okay, perfect. EA, it's always a pleasure to have you here. This is just, it's inspiring. It's soothing. Your conversation is very soothing and you're, you have a very, um, I don't know, kind nature that just is very attractive in a way, like people want to be around it. So I'm grateful to have you here anytime. Thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you for having me again, Lindsay. Thank you. If you like mommy, so leave a review. Thank you so much for being a loyal listener. I am truly grateful for you. And if this podcast has inspired you in any way, head over to iTunes and leave a written review. I would appreciate it so much. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for helping to spread the word by sharing this show with your friends.